0: Well, as Peary kind of mentioned in his introduction, most of us work, and I calculated that if an average person works 40 hours a week, a conservative measure, I'm guessing, uh, for about 30 years of their life, that means they're putting more than 60,000 hours at work during their lifetime. Isn't that extraordinary? And, and those hours don't even include the hours we spend in school and uni preparing for that work on top of Hundreds of more hours we spend in our cars, planes, and trains traveling to work. So quantitatively, work forms a large part of our life. Therefore, I think it's critical for us to have a Christian understanding and practice of work. So big topic, important issue, so I have been given 30 minutes to address it. Uh, Which means I need you to work hard with me. Uh, What I mean is, uh, I'd really appreciate it if you have your Bibles open, have your outlines ready, uh, grab a pen or pencil. Uh, I may not be able to refer to all the biblical text and and, and relevant uh, biblical text, so you need to work extra hard to test whether what I'm saying uh, is true uh, to the grain of the scriptural teaching, and also uh, write down the statements that I make, test it, whether that is true. Think about further questions that may arise in your own context. Uh, so we can continue uh, to uh, discuss about this in our small group meetings, at our morning tea, uh, and so on. But here is my plan for today. Uh, First, I want us to see uh, the Bible's teaching that work is both uh, good, necessary, and pleasurable, as well as difficult, futile, and painful. Then I want to speak about the common pitfalls that we fall into as we respond to the pleasures and pains of work. Uh, and why uh, such response is not godly. Thirdly, I'd like us to consider then how the gospel should shape our attitude towards work and the principles that govern our practice at work. And if we have some time, uh, I want to finish off by considering a a practical question that all of us should think about, how to choose and evaluate your work uh, in line with uh, your submission to Christ uh, as your Lord and Saviour. So let's start with pleasures and pains of work. Uh, first thing to say about work, it is that it, it is good, dignified, and necessary. Uh, let us read from Genesis uh, 1, to 28. Then God said, let us make man in our image, in our likeness, and let them rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air, over the livestock, over all the earth, and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. And God blessed them and said to them, Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it, and have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the heavens, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. So God has created men and women to work. God entrusts men and women to be fruitful and multiply so that they rule over the creation under him. So humanity is created to be, if I may put it this way, functional and relational beings. Uh, Work is good because it fits with how God has made us. We are made to be functional. We are made to be relational. So every kind of work is dignified. Uh, of course, we must take into consideration that the Bible doesn't finish at Genesis one and two. There is Genesis at three. Our uh, work has been limited and frustrated due to fall, and we'll talk about the consequence of the fall in a moment. But Genesis three does not obliterate the way God has made us as functional and relational beings. Our uh, working is proper to humanity. Uh, it is inbuilt to who we are and what we do. We, we have always been workers, not only in paid professional ways, but in unpaid capacities also. Our work is inescapable. It's just inbuilt nature of creation. We clean the house, we raise children, we cook our meals, without which we cannot survive. Uh, we need to work to provide for one another, for personal and corporate well-being. Uh, Good work allows humanity and human relationship to flourish. And good ordered relationships allow good work to flourish. I think that relationship and function goes hand in hand. Uh, Therefore, work is fundamental to the functional and relational nature of humanity as God made us. Uh, Therefore, work is necessary in this world for personal and corporate well-being, and for our mutual love of one another. Thus, so I want to say work is pleasurable. And when I use the word pleasure, uh, my emphasis is not on subjective satisfaction we feel, you may get that, sometimes you may not, uh, but my, uh, in a more holistic sense. Good work establishes order in creation by producing good, allowing relationship to flourish, and therefore creates well-being in creation. And that's how God made it to be, though no longer perfect because of the fall, to which we'll turn in a moment. So first point, work is dignified, necessary, and pleasurable. However, work is also difficult, futile, and painful. As a result of Adam and Eve's rebellion, sin has disrupted our world profoundly, including our work. Would you turn with me to Genesis chapter 3? And this time I'm reading from verses 16 to 19. To the woman, he said, I will surely multiply your pain in childbearing. In pain you shall bring forth children. Your desire shall be contrary to your husband, but he shall rule over you. We are created to be functional and relational beings in Genesis 1 and 2. And what we learn from Genesis 3 is that sin disrupts our relationships and also our functional capacities. Do you see that? Our relationship with God is broken, as well as our relationship with one another. Even the closest human relationship, that of husband and wife, is tainted by sin. And along with it, The role God has given humanity has been affected by sin, so being fruitful and childbearing comes with much pain and difficulty, and probably alludes to sufferings and diseases and death and illnesses, uh, and so many millions of people dying uh, without being able to be fruitful and multiply. Uh, Ruling the creation has become so frustrating and painful, and ultimately death robs us from fulfilling our functions and relationships fully. And we experience this disruption uh, in our work, don't we? Uh, Not only is the task of work hard, but work also comes with a whole set of difficult relationships. Do you find that? Uh, Have you ever heard or said yourself, my work is okay, except the people that I have to put up with? You know, the people who work in customer services, call centers by any chance? I mean, for my work, you know, I get to work with Huey, so I don't have that problem, but I don't know how he feels about it. (laughs) He he not only has to work with me, but he lives next to me as well. Um, You know, unfair boss destroys the dreams and aspirations of humble workers. Workplace bullying, corrupt office politics is so common. Genesis 3, isn't it? Relationship and functions, both tainted and disrupted. And furthermore, the task itself has become very painful. Work does not always bear fruit as we hoped. It's a bit unfair, isn't it? It, Because the work that we put into, the hard and honest work, does not always correspond to result. Is that true? So work is good, dignified, and necessary on the one hand, but difficult, painful, and futile on the other hand. Uh, So we have somewhat of a love-hate relationship with work, Sometimes we enjoy its pleasures uh, in- intimately, but other times we experience its pain very acutely. And as we wrestle with the pleasures and pains of work, there are a few common mistakes we can make. Uh, at the risk of oversimplification, uh, I think there are basically two major pitfalls, and they're two sides of the same coin, really. Uh, uh, we either make an idol of work or we become idle about work. Uh, Firstly, idle of work. Uh, Because work is good, dignified, and necessary, we can overvalue work and seek from work what it cannot give us. Uh, Work becomes the primary consumer of our time, our energy, attention, and passion, as well as uh, the primary means for measuring our happiness and unhappiness. Uh, For example, we can idolize work and what work can buy us. The weekends, the holiday, the house, uh, the, if we are honest, uh, fattened up bank account and the feeling of satisfaction and security we get from it. We can also idolize work for status and social respect we gain from people around us to have other people notice and praise our name, and to find an anchor for our identity and self-esteem from it. If you're an ambitious sort of person, that relentless drive to make an impact and influence in the world, the desire to glorify your name by somehow changing the world. As Steve Jobs once said, let us put a dent in the universe, leave a mark and legacy, change the world. Now, in one sense, there is nothing inherently wrong in wanting to be good at your job and to bring about positive change in the world. God has made us to be a functional being who pursue desires and values excellence. But when it goes unchecked, pride can quickly wrap our hearts. Pride makes us forget that we are all but dust. Think that if we put our minds and efforts to it, then we can accomplish anything as if we are God. Workaholism is so common to see. We cannot ever rest from work. Uh, We have our mood swings rapidly depending on how well or how bad we do at our work. But making idolatry of work is terrible because work can never ultimately, that's an important word there, ultimately satisfy, succeed, or last because of sin and death. As 1 Timothy 6 reading, uh, which we just heard, says, trusting in work and the riches it provides is very uncertain. It's like a breath. It's here, but then gone. All work will ultimately be frustrated, and no matter how good, it will become futile. Therefore, seeking your ultimate identity and security from work is always foolish. Uh, To test whether uh, we are idolizing work, we can ask a few questions. For example, have you found yourself wanting the good that your job promises more than you desire Jesus and his promises? you know, what makes you get up in the morning, your source of joy, your desire? Is that what your job does and provides or what Jesus promises? Is your identity so wrapped in your work that your mood swings rapidly depending on how you are treated at work and depending on the success or failures of your work? That's another question to ask. Also, does your desire to impact and influence the world through your work so capture your heart's affections and mind's imagination that the glory of God and his purposes are squeezed out of your heart? If so, we must repent. Well, if pleasures of work sometimes lead us to make idle of work, the pains of work may lead us to be idle about work. The difficulty and futility of work can lead us to undervalue or avoid work in extreme measures. Uh, for some, uh, their attitude towards work is uh, as a simply a necessary intrusion, necessary evil to real life, which is the weekends and holidays. And in Christian circles, we need to be very careful, because sometimes we can be falsely pious. And somehow justify ourselves to think that the only thing that matters as a Christian is what we do at church on Sunday, which we call ministry, and neglect our work during the week. Don't get me wrong, please. I'm all for the priority of the gospel ministry. I love what we do at church together and ministry. And I believe we are looking at that topic more closely next week. But too often, unfortunately, I have heard... Christians use ministry as an excuse for their irresponsibilities and incompetencies at work. Or some people seem to think that gospel obedience only happens when we have to put ministry above our banner. Forgetting that work uh, is one of the stations of of life where we express Christian faith and obedience. Uh, In fact, Bible's view of worship is that worship happens as you gather uh, with God's people and go out to the world and be obedient to God and teach others to be obedient to God. Uh, that is why uh, we have the go with prayerful proclamation on top of our outline. If you have noticed, uh, once we gather hearing God's word, we go into each stations of life God has given us with prayerful proclamation and godly lives to serve Christ in all sorts of different ways, including work. We cannot be idle about work. The Apostle Paul speaks very sternly against idleness in 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, verses 16-12. to um, He says, If anyone is not willing to work, let him not eat. However, being idle about work is not only limited to a lack of activity but also a lack of embrace to see that ultimately it is God who has given us work to do and that it is good for you to do and receive what God has given you with joyful heart and contentment. Now listen to our New Testament reading again from Colossians chapter 3, verses 12, 22. Bondservants servants, in fact, the same word is slaves, slaves Obey in everything those who are your earthly masters, not by way of eye service as people pleases, but with sincerity of heart, fearing the Lord. Whatever you do, you know, it doesn't even matter if you're a slave. You might think it's not unimportant. You might think it's futile and simply painful and difficult. Whatever you do, however, work work heartily as for the Lord, not for men. God wants you to. God has put you there. Knowing that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance as your Lord as your reward, sorry, you are serving the Lord Christ. Well has idleness been creeping into your heart about work? What are some signs? Well, when it comes to work, you are simply despondent and joyless. Your attitude towards work is constantly characterised with complaints, discontentment, laziness, doing the minimum you can. If so, you must repent of idleness. Then what attitude should we have towards work as Christians? Uh, Instead of idolatry or idleness, I want to put forward uh, somewhat paradoxically phrase joyful detachment uh, as the gospel driven attitude towards work. Uh, Joyful, yet detached. It's not the ultimate source or arbiter of joy. Uh, Detached, yet joyful. It's not unimportant. It is valuable and precious. I'll flesh that out a little bit. Our attitude towards work should be joyful for a number of reasons. And let me mention again, firstly, because we trust in the sovereignty and goodness of God. All of our lives are under the care of our loving and wise God. The work that you have or work that you do not have is not accident or due to bad luck. God has given it to you. God has put you where you are, and he wants you to do that job that you are given, however big or small, however respected or disrespected like the slaves were to the glory of God. When you do it faithfully and joyfully, it honors God. I think that's what the New Testament says over and over again. Paul speaks of this reality in 1 Corinthians 7, verse 17, which we don't have time to look at. He says, Be content and serve the Lord in wherever situation God has put you in, including the kind of jobs you have. Do it with honesty and integrity, and it is good to God. Working faithfully where God has put you with honesty and integrity is pleasing to God and loving to the neighbors. What joy is that? If Jesus is your Lord, he governs all of your life. Nothing is accident in your life, but everything in life has a part to play. You know, when work is hard, know that it has a part to play. God wants that hard work, that difficult relationships that your work plays, as plays, as part of his plan to grow you in Christ-likeness. So we can go to work with joy and work heartily as to the Lord. But somewhat paradoxically, Uh, Christians can approach work joyfully in a way others cannot and do not because we are, at the same time, somewhat detached from our work. What do I mean by that? Well, if Jesus is your Lord, who loves you, who died in your place for the forgiveness of your sin, reconciles to the Father, and guarantees the inheritance of new creation, well, he frees you from seeking from work what you cannot get whether it be your identity, security, satisfaction. Your identity is already secure in Christ. You are a beloved child of God, not because of your inerrant goodness, but because of Jesus Christ. And whether in earthly terms you succeed in work or not, I don't have to have that dream job for my self-esteem. I'm already secure in Christ. I can be a little bit detached from work. Uh, which allows me to approach work not as a matter of life or death. My success or failure in work does not define me, which means I can be truly freed, unlike other people, from trying to impress others or even myself with my work, but work in order to do good to others and love others and to be pleasing to God and bring honor to Him. So our overall attitude towards work, I think, should be that of joyful detachment. It's not ultimate source. And even if it was taken away from us, our anchor is secure. But when God gives to us, we approach it with joy and contentment. Well, if the overall attitude towards work should be that of joyful detachment, The way we work, the practice at work, should reflect God's character. That's what we seek to do. Uh, Paul says in Colossians as well as Ephesians that workers must work with due diligence. Be on time. Be a person of honesty and integrity and trustworthiness. Keep your promises. Do not be a bludger, but give a full day's work to your employer. When you work in such a way, it is pleasing to God and you are reflecting God's character because God is a faithful worker. Now, my guess is that many of you are working in such a way already. So my challenge to you is that reflecting God's character also uh, comes in the context of confrontation. How about reflecting God's character in situations like this? Let me me, uh, put a few scenarios. Your boss bustles in against a deadline, walks into your office and says, Listen, mate, I need you to change those figures on page 9 before the client gets here or we'll lose this contract. A group of women at work giggle at another uh, another woman's weight during lunch break. They eye you, invitingly, to join in. Two co-workers fantasize lewdly about a woman's body. One caster, comment your way. Hatred of customers with scathing sarcasm fuels your workmates. They expect you to join their mockery of the customers. A board meeting is drifting towards a decision that cleverly uh, camouflages injustice or make more money at the expense of the weak and the vulnerable people in the society. And your vote is in doubt. It's your turn to speak and they are all eyeballing you. In the heat of such moments, will we be workers who reflect God's character at our work? Remember that we belong to Christ and say, I seek honesty. I don't do slander. I'm going to stay pure. I'm here to care for others. I want to be just. I'm not saying these things lightly. I understand how difficult it can be, and we are never more mocked as pathetic than in moments like this. The decision not to be involved with the work culture will cut us across like a hot knife. The person who seeks to reflect God's character work in this way will surely endure suffering but that is a part of the way in which God has called us to work, I believe. We belong to Jesus 24-7 at home as well as church and work. Let us reflect God's character at our workplace, not only with positivity, but also in times by negating every false and evil deeds so that God's good order is reestablished in our relationships and work through our gospel-driven character and convictions. Now, I want to finish by discussing a practical question which all of us uh, need to think through one way or another and constantly revise in our life. Uh, That is, as a Christian, how should I consider, uh, what should I consider as I choose a job and evaluate the jobs that I have? And I want to say there are three questions in the order of importance, three uh, uh, must questions, and, and then two uh, good to have, nice to have, but not essential questions. First and the most important question for you to ask is that is this job obedient to the call of the gospel? In other words, is what I would be doing in this job honoring to the Lord, or, or would it bring dishonor and disobe- or disobedience to him? Uh, that is a fundamental question you must ask. Uh, there are some jobs which we cannot work as a Christian. Paul gives an example of this in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 28. Let the thief no longer steal. You cannot be a Christian and remain a thief, even if you are a Robin Hood. It's morally wrong. Uh, on top of this, uh, what else would there be? Uh, working as a hitman, drug runner, or a staff member at an abortion clinic. It would dishonor God and run counter to the calling you have received as a Christian. Work in order that the relationships flourish and God's name is ordered and God's moral is established. I understand that things aren't always quite clear and there are times where the lines can be blurry, but in general, there are jobs by its very nature will be contrary to the grains of Christian life. In such cases, we should look for another job and trust God that he will provide. Second question is harder to answer, but I believe this question must be considered regularly by every Christian. That is, does this job permit me to live godly, live godly life in all stations of life? Uh, Does this job permit me to live godly in all stations of life? In other words, will this job allow me to obey God in every area of life? Or will it mean that I have to neglect and be unfaithful in other parts of life that God has given me? Do you understand? Um, uh, Though our discussion today mainly concerned about paid work, because that is our topic, but work is not our only responsibility or stations of life to which God has called us to be faithful to him. So, for example, uh, uh, the job is only one facet of my life. God calls me to be a faithful worker, but he also calls me to be a faithful father, to be a godly son, a faithful husband, a godly friend, a local neighbor, an Australian citizen, a pastor, and a student all of our lives are under the lordship of Christ, and we seek to honor him and be faithful to him holistically. And that has very practical implications. It means that if my work career is so taking me away from my children that I'm ceasing to be a faithful and godly father to them, then I need to reconsider my work and work career and the emphasis and time and attention I put into it. Or at the same time, if being a parent to my children and them having the best education, best holiday, and best uh, experience of life is so controlling my life that I have ceased I have uh, being faithful to my local church, then I need to reconsider my parenting also and ask whether it is pleasing to God. My life is not simply one thing. My life is not just work and be as good as I can be and let everything else just fall into its places. It is rather a whole set of circumstances and responsibilities that have been given to me by God where I am to work out how to honor him to the best of my capabilities. So, again, this is a very hard question to consider and there will be millions of different contexts here in everyone's different life circumstances. But if for a job necessarily means you will have to constantly neglect other areas of responsibilities, then I think, in all likelihood, it's your job, you should definitely consider removing or changing. If it is constantly making you to neglect and be unfaithful in other aspects of life. And if you cannot do that, or if you will not consider that, Uh, Friends, I'm afraid whether that has become your idol. Uh, I I wonder whether you're like the rich young ruler who wanted to follow Jesus but went home sorrowful because Jesus said, with you, I think you lack one thing. That desire for riches is so controlling your life, you cannot let go of it. And you cannot follow me, uh, you, you cannot follow and serve God and money, and he went home sorrowful. I think we need to be honestly reflect and and I think there will be different seasons of life at work, but this must be constantly uh, reviewed. I I think especially our, our older brothers and sisters who's been working for a long time, sometimes you're like, yeah, this is work and you never reconsider. You don't look back and say, yeah, has my work been preventing me from growing godly in other areas? And if that is so, is it time to change? This will require much careful reflection with Christian freedom as well as fellowship of God's people. I want to encourage you, involve trustworthy and godly people in thinking through these things in your life. And when people who love and care for you, uh, whether it be Huey, your growth group leaders, your trustworthy friends, when they approach you and say, I think it's time for you to consider this, uh, whether you need to change your job or do something about the relentless nature of your work's demand, so that you can be more faithful as a son or a friend or a brother, as a growth group member, or growth group leader. I pray that we'll have humility to listen and consider it. A third question is the consideration of wisdom, and, and that is, does this job provide for my needs and allow me to be generous with others? I understand that for some of us uh, may not have luxury to take this into consideration and you may just have to get whatever job you can get. But if possible, it is wise to work out whether your job will allow you to be responsible to your family by providing for their needs and also so that you can be generous with others. I think that is Paul's advice in 1 Timothy 5, 8 and 1 Thessalonians 4, 11 to 12. But let's remember that it's needs, not wants. Uh, This, again, must be worked out with Christian freedom and with honest and humble reflection. But I think these three questions are the most important questions to consider. Then, there are other nice-to-have type of questions, such as, does this job take advantage of my gifts and my talents that God has given me? And, am I passionate about this job or this career? But you see the difference? Our world puts those two questions, nice to have but not essential questions, at the very top. Do I like it? Am I passionate about it? Am I good at it? Does it fulfill my longings? And then if you're a Christian, unfortunately a lot of Christians do it the same way. Do I like it? Am I good at it? Am I passionate? And then somehow you fit in God uh, right at the end. Now that I've got the dream job, now that I'm happy with my career, Now that I've found something that I'm passionate about, well, how can I fit God in my life? brothers and sisters, I think we need to be countercultural. Our way of consideration is, how can I be pleasing to God? How can I find, uh, how can I live a life that is honoring to God? How can I be blessing to others? Then, under God's blessing and his rich kindness, sometimes God may give us a job that we may enjoy. Sometimes God in his goodness enables us to enjoy work that we don't really at first didn't enjoy. But we ought to be different and seek to serve God in that way. Well, let's wrap it up. Uh, Work uh, is both good, necessary, and pleasurable, but at the same time difficult, futile, and painful. But in the light of what Christ has done for us, we can approach work with joyful detachment Reflecting his character and bring honor to him and love others through it. Let us pray.